A quick disclosure on this episode. This topic is going to cover matters of a sexual nature. So if you're listening to this in the car with various family members, use your best discretion as we proceed. As I've mentioned before, my patient population is predominantly younger reproductive age. Well, not long ago, I had a patient who came in for her next planon, so I'm in the process of doing that, and we're chit-chatting. And she says, hey, Dr. Chubb, I have an unrelated question for you. Of course, no problem. What is that question? Well, she said, well, I just bought my jade egg online, and I wanted to get your opinion on how long I should leave that in the vagina. And so, mind you, her arm is up. I'm about to insert her next plan. And um, that hit me like completely from far left. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She said, my jade egg. To which I responded, are you wearing that right now? (laughs) She, She was not. But that led to this whole discussion about the jade egg, otherwise known as the yoni egg. Yep, we're going to get into it in this episode. And we're also going to get into the broader topic, which is vaginal weights. All right, something originally called vaginal cone therapy or vaginal weighted therapy. Yeah. Is it healthy for your vagina to be a weightlifter? Is there vaginal weightlifting? We're going to get into that and we're going to go into the potential harms and maybe some potential benefits. And then we're going to get into when it's maybe, let me underline maybe, maybe reasonable to use some online commercial products uh, as adjuvant therapy. All right, so there's only going to be a lot of stuff we're going to cover here. (laughs) But my main focus, of course, is this whole thing that started the discussion was the Yanni egg. Oh, if you haven't heard about that, oh, it's hot. It's online and it's all over TikTok, which means, of course, it must be reputable. We're going to get to it. And we're also going to discuss a company that got into some big hot water in 2018, making some claims about this Yanni egg, this jade egg in the vagina that were just really just to call it what it is, made up. But we're going to get into all of that. So we're going to talk about sexual health. We're going to talk about the yoni egg, the jade egg, and vaginal weightlifting. Wow, lots to cover. Let's get into that right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Now, to be very clear and not misrepresent the patient that we talked about in the intro, remember, she was young, reproductive age. Uh, She was actually not overweight. She had no medical issues. She did not have a problem with incontinence. And she was nulligravid, right? Never been pregnant, no deliveries. She was not using the jade egg for any sort of incontinence problem. She was doing this because she wanted to have better sex. Let's just call it what it is. She read obviously on the medical reputable journal called TikTok, uh, that Kegel muscles uh, could increase sexual pleasure. Again, she had no known sexual dysfunction. Uh, She had a very healthy relationship. She was sexually active with penile vaginal sex uh, and was, was otherwise okay. She just wanted it to be kicked up a notch, all right? So to be very clear, she was doing this for sexual wellness, not for a known diagnosis or any other comorbid condition. So while we're going to address this issue of vaginal rehab and vaginal uh, therapy and insertional devices, I do have to be very clear that this was typically 
studied or has been studied in the realms of pelvic floor dysfunction, including incontinence, all right? But there is data also on Kegel exercises and sexual fulfillment. We're going to address that, but I want to be very clear. Our patient did not have an incontinence issue. She was doing this with the hopes of having even better sex. And we're going to address that. Do Kegels improve sex? We're going to touch on that in this episode. Oh, the jade egg. My goodness. I mean, to be honest, I've got to say it. It looks really pretty. I mean, it's this little shiny, dark little orb. It's got a little string attached to it. I mean, it looks really nice. Or it could be at least at least a fancy Christmas ornament. But that's not its purpose. In the past decade, the notion of sexual health, especially women's sexual health, has really entered a very lucrative wellness industry. A simple Amazon search for vaginal training devices reveals a litany of toys and insertion tools to increase sexual pleasure. And then, of course, is the website, which has been popular on social media channels, Goop. That's G-O-O-P. Started by a well-known Hollywood actress, this self-promoted sexual wellness company has made rather unsubstantiated and sometimes borderline ridiculous claims. But we'll get into those in just a bit. Currently, that commercial website describes the benefits of the jade egg that's otherwise known as the Yanni egg as, quote, Yanni eggs harness the power of energy and crystal healing and a Kegel-like physical practice. Insert the egg into your vagina and feel the connection with your body by squeezing and releasing the egg, end quote. Before we get into the data, or I should clarify and say the lack of data regarding this, let's talk about what jade actually is, all right? Jade is a hard but porous material that's naturally occurring that's been used for a variety of purposes throughout history, none of which have included vaginal insertion. But I get ahead of myself because I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. There are two actual different stones that are both referred to as jade. One is jadeite and the other is nephrite. Now, here's a spoiler alert, as we've already alluded to. There is no evidence that jade eggs do anything helpful when placed in the vagina. Now, you see how confusing this thing gets because there is some data where vaginal cone therapy may have a role, but that's different than using this jade stone, all right? So we're talking about medical-grade devices under supervision and then stuff that you can buy online through Goop or through Amazon or a variety of other online sources that are not medical-grade and are done without supervision, all right? So there's, there's, there's two different things here. But right now, we're focusing on jade and some of the claims that this company has made. Originally, it claimed that putting this orb, this stone, this rock was what it is, into the vagina could actually even balance out hormones. Yes, I'm serious. That was online. Now, that's been taken off, but it was taken off because of a 2018 lawsuit. In the late summer of 2018, 10 prosecutors in California settled a suit against the Coop company for 145000 stating that the company offered claims for the vaginal jade egg supporting hormone imbalance, menstrual regulation, and bladder control, none of which had any scientific backing. The company then offered refunds to egg purchasers, even though the site initially stated that the eggs were not returnable. The site would still offer the eggs as they still do, although they are now not stating all of those different hormonal benefits. 
Once again, the current website does actually say, though, that it can be used for sexual health and sexual wellness. Goop has described this practice of jade insertion as an ancient practice. The concept of ancient when discussing a medical therapy may give an illusionary notion that the practice is indeed helpful because it has to be if it dates over millennium. Now, I love this because it, this isn't hard to figure out, guys. All you got to do is go back and take a look at the data, do some research, and see if that's true or not. So it really was uh, pretty bold to make those claims because obviously all you have to do is look it up. As the jade egg was touted as an ancient practice, researchers sought to find proof of that in medical archaeological writings. Well, that's exactly what two researchers did. One is a well-known OBGYN physician, Dr. Jen Gunter, and her colleague, Dr. Sarah Parker, that's an archaeologist, investigated whether or not vaginal insertion of a jade egg was an ancient Chinese practice. Their study of over 5,000 jade objects in four major Chinese art and archaeology databases found no such vaginal eggs. There was no evidence that vaginal jade eggs were used for sexual health in ancient Chinese cultures or even bordering cultures. This archaeological and medical review was peer-reviewed and published in the journal Female Pelvic Medicine and Reconstructive Surgery. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that pelvic floor muscle rehab, in other words, structured Kegel exercises, are useless. No, 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 just the opposite. Kegel exercises done correctly absolutely have a role and have proven short-term benefits for minor incontinence issues and even some mild prolapse issues. And there is data regarding sexual health. We're going to touch on that in a minute. But the whole premise of walking around for prolonged periods of time with this foreign object in the vagina, holding it in place, is actually absolutely against what the Kegel exercise is supposed to do. True Kegel exercises are based on the premise of rapid sequence contraction and relaxation over a number of sets. No form of pelvic rehab uses continuous contraction of the vagina to keep hold on a foreign object. Actually, doing that could be very dangerous because it could lead to hypertrophy and hypertonus of pelvic muscles and other accessory pelvic muscles that could actually be harmful, causing pelvic pain or even forms of vaginismus. So you all see the difference? Now, on the Goop website, it specifically states contract and release. But initially, it was to hold on this object and keep it contracted so that it wouldn't fall out. So you see, this is where people succeed with these kind of ads and devices because they take a little bit of truth uh, that's well-established in medicine, but then tweak it and take it outside the bounds of evidence-based practice. So just to be clear, Kegels are legit. Kegels have a role, and Kegels are endorsed both by OGS, that's the American Eurogen Society, uh, the AUA, uh, the American Eurogen Association, and even ACOG in the appropriate patient. But none of those entail placing a foreign object into the vagina and then squeezing it for prolonged periods of time. All right, podcast family, we come back. We're going to talk about the origins of the Kegel exercise. We're going to talk about pelvic floor muscles and what the data has to say.
The pelvic floor muscles, or the PFM, consists of the levator ani and the coccygeus muscles, and they're crucial for supporting the pelvic organs. The levator ani muscle comprises three distinct sets of muscles. Remember that the levator ani are the puborectalis, the pubococcygeus, and the iliococcygeus muscles. The puborectalis muscle forms a sling around the anorectal junction. By contracting the puborectalis muscle, the urogenital hiatus can close during physical activities. The pubococcygeus muscle runs from the pubic bone to the coccyx, and the iliococcygeus muscle is the most lateral part of the levator ani muscle. These form the plate called the levator plate that stabilizes the pelvic organs. It was Arnold Kegel in 1948 who first showed and published that quote progressive resistance exercises end quote can actually help with some pelvic floor dysfunction. Kegel published this in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the Gray Journal, and again it was the first report training of the pelvic floor muscles as an effective tool in the management of urinary incontinence. In uncontrolled, non-randomized studies, he claimed an 84% cure rate in a variety of incontinence types. Since then, several randomized controlled trials have supported the results of his clinical series and have demonstrated that pelvic floor rehab training is more effective than no treatment or placebo treatment for stress urinary incontinence. Yes, everybody gets Kegel exercises work. They have a function, but there's two main issues with Kegels that patients need to be aware of. One is that they have to be done consistently over time, and that's the catch: is consistency. The second issue is that in order to keep the advantage and keep the benefit of them, they have to be done, or the effect can be lost. And that's what some patients don't understand. And tied to that is that this is not something that's done uh, on day one, and on day two they have the result. At the quickest, some evidence states can happen after a week if done diligently. But the truth is, it can take up to six to eight weeks to have maximum results. Tied into those issues is the most important elephant in the room, which is they have to be done correctly. According to published data, about thirty percent of women actually were not contracting the pelvic floor muscles correctly when they were asked to demonstrate a Kegel exercise, and that's an issue. That's thirty percent, almost one in three. That was published by Zanetti et al. in two thousand and seven. Many people contract the hip abductors or the abdomen and their gluteal muscles instead of targeting and isolating the pelvic floor muscles during the exercises. Plus, some studies indicate that brief verbal instructions might just not be adequate for beginners who are just not familiar with Kegel exercises. That was published by Bump et al. in the American Journal of OB/GYN in 1991. So here's what I'm trying to say: Kegel exercises definitely have a role, but you just can't tell a patient, "Hey, you know when you stop your stream of urine when you're peeing, that's your Kegel exercises. Go nuts with that." It takes much more instruction, and they have to be guided. At least have written instructions on how to do it correctly. All right, podcast family. If you don't hear that as potentially sounding like a bridge to get into vaginal cone therapy, 
then you missed it because that was actually what that was for. That's the bridge <laughs> to potentially solve this problem of them not doing it correctly. Onto the scene came this thing of vaginal cones and weights. Now, once again, that's a lot in one basket, cones and weights, because vaginal cone therapy does have some data. But the whole issue of using progressive sets of weights is a little bit more shady. Vaginal cones are either one size with one weight or they can come in a series of progressive weights called, well, vaginal weights. The weight of this cone is supposed to give a training stimulus and make women contract harder with progressive weights being inserted one at a time as a way to train the pelvic floor. Some of these vaginal weights come in a group of six ranging from 20 grams to 100 grams in total weight. In BMJ in 1999, Carrie Bow et al. compared three different pelvic floor training interventions, Kegel exercises alone, electrical stimulation, and vaginal cone therapy. This was a randomized trial. For the interventions, the pelvic intervention group had an N of 25, and this comprised of 8 to 12 contractions three times a day and exercise in groups with skilled physical therapists once a week. Hey, it was a thing. In the electrical stimulation group, the N was again 25 and they used vaginal intermittent stimulation with a electrode that was about 50 hertz for 30 minutes a day. The vaginal cone group that was an N of 27 used cones for 20 minutes a day. The untreated control group, which was an N of 30, was offered the use of just a continence guard to track the episodes of incontinence. Remember, this was not for sexual health. This was for known incontinence. Muscle strength was also measured by vaginal squeeze pressure once a month as an objective marker of change. The results? Well, regular Kegel muscles just worked the best. Quote, training of the pelvic floor muscles is superior to electrical stimulation and vaginal cones in the treatment of genuine stress incontinence, end quote. So the authors recommended that just pelvic floor exercises by themselves should be the considered the first choice of treatment for genuine stress urinary incontinence. Several other RCTs have been performed comparing pelvic floor muscle therapy with and without vaginal cones. And so in order to look at this in one objective way, that's where a meta-analysis comes in. And this was published in 2000 with the Cochrane Systematic Review. This was published by Herbison et al., again in the Cochrane database. This systematic review involved 15 randomized and quasi-randomized controlled trials. Well, one of the things that the authors found out that there was an average 25% dropout rate from these studies. I mean, you know, whether they got tired of doing this or didn't like the treatment that were randomized into, it's hard to say, but one out of four dropped out. Remember, we said earlier that the key to any kind of pelvic floor rehab training is consistency and persistence. According to these reviewers, the evidence indicated that the use of vaginal cones was better than no treatment for women with urinary stress incontinence. You see, I told you there's some data for vaginal cones. But did you catch that? <laughs> vaginal cone therapy was better than nothing at all. Well, that's a pretty low bar. I mean, you got to do something. 
So when the researchers actually compared interventions one to another, when they compared vaginal cones to pelvic floor muscle training or to electrical stim, they found no evidence that using vaginal cones was either better or worse than other treatment strategies. So in view of the high dropout rate in these studies, the researchers noted that it could be beneficial to offer vaginal cones as one of the options to treat SUI, but it had to be done as a motivational tool and with strict instructions because, once again, of the high dropout rate. Let's just stop here for a minute and recap. What are we talking about? We're talking about pelvic floor muscles and rehab techniques and the old standard of Kegel exercises. Kegel exercise seems to be legit. Remember, for pelvic floor dysfunction, malprolapse, uh, and urinary incontinence. We're going to tackle uh, Kegel muscles for sexual pleasure in just a bit. But don't forget what started off this whole discussion, which was this issue of the jade egg. Okay, Jade is basically a stone. Now, it's been polished and it's got a string to it. Uh, so it's not like a rock that you pick up off the street. Uh, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Um, but uh, are, are there some potential harms of going back to this jade egg? Is there some harms of putting that into the vagina? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, there are some potential risks here of using specifically this kind of material, this kind of natural stone. You see, jade eggs are porous. They're difficult to clean, and they can allow trapped bacteria in the micropores to build up over time. So this has raised a flag of concern, saying that at the least, this is a trigger for bacterial vaginosis, and at the most, if left in place for a prolonged period of time, could actually trigger a type of toxic shock syndrome. Plus, because these are actual stones, they may actually chip and cause micro tears in the stone surface. Well, these micro tears or micro chips, of course, can then lead to vaginal irritation, scratches or contusions to the vaginal wall. Other risk factors of using this kind of stone devices in the vagina is that it could actually recruit other non-pelvic floor muscles uh, to try to keep that rock in place. So the result is that you get this hypertonic muscular contraction uh, and end up with a type of vaginismus. A third possible risk here is that using these non-supervised, non-medical grade insertion tools can actually cause some kind of pelvic floor laxity. Now, listen to what we said. We said potential harms because, again, this actually hasn't been studied. But the idea is if you put these progressive large weights inside the vagina and if you just let it sit there passively, that you could actually have some vaginal laxity as a result, which is the exact opposite of what you're trying to do because these are meant with the idea or the goal or at least the sales pitch that they're supposed to tighten the vaginal area. Just to be clear so that we don't leave any area for confusion, there may be, with a big underliner, there may be a place for cone therapy as an instructional tool of where to actually contract, but its use as a daily device is not evidence-based. Same goes for progressive vaginal weights. The vagina is not meant to be a weight lifter right? So there's nowhere in the data does it say, my goodness, if you can hold 100 grams of this steel ball inside your vagina, you'll have better sex. That's a great marketing tool, but it's not evidence-based. If it was, we would be ordering vaginal weight therapy and it'd be supported by OGS and the International Urogen Society or the American Urological Association to put weights inside the vagina in progressive strengths or heaviness in order to improve the pelvic floor. 
floor? Short answer is the vagina is not meant to be a weightlifter. All right, podcast family, when we come back, let's wrap this up talking about using these Kegel exercises for sexual pleasure. Is this a thing? Because that's what our patient was using it for. We talked about these in terms of pelvic floor rehab when there's an issue. But what about for sexual functioning? Can doing Kegels or training the vagina actually improve sexual fulfillment? Let's cover that next. All right, let's talk about sex. Hey, let's be real. Sexual intimacy is a big part of quality of life for a lot of couples. And this is a real issue. So now let's look at Kegels and sexual satisfaction. I mean, is there a connection? Well, according to published data, yes, there is. Lowenstein et al. proved that pelvic floor muscle strength can be associated with better functioning documented on the Female Sexual Function Index. That's the FSFI. That's a widely used instrument to evaluate female sexual dysfunction. Now, compared with women that had a weak strength of the pelvic floor muscle contraction, women with better strength had higher scores in orgasm and arousal domains of the FSFI, but there weren't significant difference in other FSFI domains like desire, lubrication, overall satisfaction, or pain with penetration. That was published in 2010 in the International Urogynecological Journal. Additionally, MEES, that's M-E-E-S-E, found that normal females can actually experience improvements in sexual arousal, just like the first study showed, after only a week of Kegel exercises that were done correctly. And pelvic floor muscle training also seemed to help with sexual activity in menopausal women, not just those at a reproductive age. This was published in the study titled Beneficial Effects of Pelvic Floor Muscle Exercises on Sexual Function Among Postmenopausal Women, a Randomized Clinical Trial. The author of that was Sheila Nazarpour et al. in the Journal of Sexual Health in November 2018. So yes, it does seem that Kegel muscles does increase sexual satisfaction. And that's been shown not just in cohort studies, but also in RCTs. Other data has shown that, especially in primaparous women, in other words, after the first delivery, use of Kegel exercises has returned sexual satisfaction quicker in those that have done structured pelvic floor exercises compared to those who have not done it. So yes, it is true, Kegel exercises can help with sexual function. But did you catch the item in all of these studies? Those were just structured Kegel exercises by themselves. They didn't really use any additional toys or devices to help them. Now, before we leave this episode, we have to say a big obvious issue here when it comes to sexual fulfillment and even orgasmic ability uh, for our female patients. Uh, And I say in female patients because sexual stimulation response is much different in a male because excluding erectile dysfunction, uh, much lower rates of female sexual dysfunction in the male population than compared to female. But we have to realize, of course, that sexual satisfaction, orgasm ability, and overall sexual fulfillment is not simply the result of a weak pelvic floor, all right? And that's what I told our patient, uh, my patient in, in the intro. said, look, it's much deeper than that. Uh, I mean, if you want to do pelvic floor exercises, even though you have no other issues, that's no problem. That's, I think that's fine. That's just good overall pelvic, pelvic health. But to think that miraculously you're going to have 
eye-rolling, mind-blowing orgasms because you did Kegels. It's, it's more complicated than that because there's things like your quality of relationship with your partner. There's life stressors. Remember, of course, that there's this mind-body connection with sexual fulfillment. All of these things, even medication use, all of these things go into play when we talk about sexual satisfaction episodes or encounters with women. So yes, Kegels can contribute to overall healthy sexual satisfaction, but it's just one little piece of the entire pie here. Which brings us to our closing point. Is there ever a role for some vaginal tools or devices that can be placed inside the vagina uh, for pelvic floor training? And the answer is yes. But they're not meant to be this cure-all of overall sexual wellness, and it definitely won't fix any hormone imbalance. But the idea of using a vaginal device, especially one that can help provide some kind of biofeedback, uh, can be used as a tool, okay? So not used by itself, but as a tool in the bigger scheme of things, which is proper uh, instruction by a women's health specialist, or it could be a pelvic floor rehab uh, therapist. So it's an adjuvant tool. I do believe there is a role for this, especially when there's true pelvic floor dysfunction. Because as we stated earlier, about 30% of women aren't even contracting the right muscles that they think are, are Kegels. They're not even real Kegels when they're doing this. So I do believe that there is a role for these devices when used appropriately. What I have told patients in the past is that if they're going to use these, to make sure that they use them appropriately and to use them as directed, not in some weird things that they picked up on TikTok. If they're going to be used as part of a pelvic floor training uh, package, then to make sure that they are medical grade and ideally silicone because they're easy to clean. Also remember that any silicone toys or anything that's inserted into the vagina should not use silicone-based gel because like dissolves like, right? So remember that. It has to be something non-silicone gel if it's a silicone device. Uh, I have recommended things like the uh, Rose Insertion Kit. There's another one called the LV uh, Trainer, and then there's PeriFit. These are little devices that go into the vagina. They're expensive, but you can actually track what you're contracting with an app. I mean, how wild is that? This is the world that we live in now. So it's got a little transducer, replaced into the vagina, and then based on how they contract the pelvic floor, it can tell them whether they're using the right muscles or not. So you see that? I think that there's a place there as a trainer, not just as a device to go buy online and then use it and go nuts, but it's a tool with appropriate supervision and guidance. I think there may be a place specifically for those that are silicone, that are medical grade, and above all that, that actually lets you see what you're doing uh, via an app. By the way, uh, I mentioned Rose and the LV Trainer and PeriFit. Those are not sponsors. Uh, I don't have any financial uh, ties to them. I just think that there could be a potential role for these much better than putting a rock inside the vagina. So here's the closing statement on this. Pelvic floor muscles are legit. Yes, just as we should exercise ourselves overall, there can be a role for pelvic floor muscle therapy, even if the patient otherwise has no medical issues. It's just great training for the pelvic floor, but like everything else, to be done correctly and in moderation. Also be careful what patient's stick up the vagina. We should educate them. 
because some of these things could potentially be dangerous. I do believe that there could be a role for some of these things, specifically the ones that give some kind of biofeedback. But again, those are never to be used in isolation, but always in conjunction with either a woman's healthcare specialist, a pelvic floor specialist, like a urogynecologist, or a pelvic floor rehab therapist. There is a role. We can't just throw out the baby with the bathwater. There is a role, but we have to time it correctly. And above all, we can't make any promises uh, that we can't keep. So to say, hey, if you use this, your sexual life is going to be mind-blowing. Can't necessarily say that because there's so many factors that go into that. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. So if any of you have purchased the Jade Egg, uh, I wish you well. I'm not mad at you. Do what you got to do. You take care of you. Just stay healthy. (laughs) And above all, follow evidence-based practice. I'm a big believer in Kegels. I think that they absolutely work. It just takes a lot of motivation. That's why there's these high dropout rates, as high as over 60% in a lot of these studies, because women are like, ah, forget that. I'm done. It just takes a lot of commitment, just like with any exercise routine. All right, podcast family, as always, we're thankful for you and we're glad you're part of our podcast community and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.